0: listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 450. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our journey with season one of the Fox series, Fringe. And, you know, as I'm looking through my Twitter feed, and and it, it's kind of like a mixture of, you know, genre show news and comments and whatever, but, you know, if you're listening to this, we're, we're recording this in the midst of the war in Ukraine and and it's just it's just so hard to watch TV these days and and uh, um, you know obviously our hearts are with the people of Ukraine and jeez, uh, I don't even know what to say well I do know what to say and I'm gonna say a little bit but
1: yeah you know. well I got some things to say but you know this is still a you know a family-friendly podcast so um, you know, keep by obviously we we solidly stand with the people of the Ukraine, and yes. this is absolutely appalling and disgusting. And um, you know, I don't other than that, I don't know. You know, I know, uh, <clears throat> you know, the people of Europe in general are are, are freaked out. Um, As well, and concerned. they should be. Yeah, it's right, exactly. Um, they've they've seen this before, you know, so. You know,
0: well, I, well i i think what's so disturbing to me i mean yeah i mean this is clearly the most disturbing you know thing going on in, in this moment which is of course putin's troops invading a sovereign country but the reaction of one of our political parties in the united states is, is it's just appalling frightening and uh, you know john f kennedy wrote a book that I believe was published in the mid to late 50s called Profiles in Courage. Yep. And, and, and I'm not, this is, I'm not joking here. The Republican Party, by and large, they would be the source material for profiles in cowardice. And I don't know if you saw Republican Senator Tom Cotton on with George Stephanopoulos. All George Stephanopoulos wanted him to do was to condemn former President Trump calling putin smart or whatever you know or shrewd or whatever basically supporting what he's doing and yeah. the republican senator couldn't do it. It, it it was just i mean it's frightening where where we're headed with half our country that i was talking to somebody and the you're that day. half
1: right aren't you like i mean i don't want no. out to hear anything no oh I, for some reason i thought you were oh my oh my god i mean look in the past i think we've had this conversation i mean i'm
0: a conservative right who right. who left the republican party four years ago i mean i guess i was i thought okay all that's campaign rhetoric if he gets elected he'll change and like pretty early on he's a psychopath right right and and <laughs> no no dude yeah, no,
1: not okay. at all. So um, I am thinking of the past, but but yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's right, it's it's, it's a mess, and you know, you know, in America we are afforded geographically, you know, this luxury of being able to say, oh, I, you know, I'm not saying we need to send troops over there or anything, you know, but I'm just saying that uh, historically we've had a, a certain luxury because we've. The ocean between us and europe right
0: and i'm gonna yeah i was talking to my wife earlier before we started recording uh, you, my congressman in maryland is the only republican congressman in maryland which is primarily a blue state and uh, I, i'm gonna you know, just send him an email and you know congressman harris just curious when you're going to come out against your republican colleague for knowingly speaking at a white supremacist rally just just curious when you're going to make a comment i I wouldn't hold my breath (laughs) where's the republican leadership Uh, it's like nobody has spoken out about that Uh, it's just
1: uh, anyway i'm gonna stop all right um it's all right i think um, you need to do that man i think i felt like you needed that
0: this is too important what's going on now that uh, anyway um all right well let's get let's get to uh back to the podcast stuff. Uh you can contact us with emails at sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail dot com. Join the Facebook group if you haven't already. Yeah, I've got a combination tips what I'm watching, but you wanna go first this week?
1: Sure. Um so this week was really about me catching up on some movies that I've I've wanted to watch. Uh, especially on HBO Max. HBO Max has a ton of like really good movies out, new ones, um, as well as a wealth of old ones, because they have, like, the, I guess, AMC that I have a partnership with. But anyway, so the first one is The Kingsman. Uh, this is the third movie in the Kingsman uh, series. Um, this one, though, goes back. It's like an origin story for... The you probably haven't seen any of these movies, have you? No, they're really good. You know, it's basically a kind of spy agency, but it, though they kind of um, are headquarters. Well, there's headquarters in countries all over the world. We find out in the second movie. You know, they it, it kind of focuses on this one in London, but they are not you know associated with any government. They just try to maintain world peace and. Uh, there's a lot of really cool fighting sequences and action and, uh, and, and, the, and the, the characters are, are really good in the first two and, and this one was also like, I think they kind of dialed back uh, the violence and if you see it you'd be like, uh, really? Uh, but I think compared to especially the first movie uh, I think they, they've kind of dialed back on the violence a little bit but there, there were some sweet fight sequences and Ray Fiennes uh, plays the guy who was the founder of the Kingsman, and He's I mean he's he's great like all the time. He's just really cool. It's, it's good to see him doing action again. Um because you know like you know he's, he's getting up there in age and everything and you know we see him in the Bond movies mostly playing uh M and being behind a desk but uh yeah, just really great movie. Enjoyed it a lot. Um the second one that field permit me was uh Nightmare Alley uh which I thought was going to be a lot more like horror but it really wasn't a more psychological kind of horror. Uh, Guillermo del Toro, who did, I believe he did the third Harry Potter movie, which is the best of them by far. Uh, and Pan's Labyrinth, which is an amazing movie. You know, this guy's. is, uh, oh, I, actually, The um, the Revenant, too, I believe he did. I guess the one that won an Oscar. I guess I should mention that one. So um, this guy's just a, a quality filmmaker. Um, you know a movie that that doesn't really have a lot of action, but that yet there are multiple points where my heart is beating super fast because of what the characters are doing and everything and it was just um an outstanding movie um you yeah, know I can see why it's garnering all the accolades that that it is and then last but not least, I think I might have mentioned this before I' had started to watch it before, kind of dropped it. Uh, but I started reading the Artemis Fowl books again, so I'm like, you know what? I'll give that movie a, a second shot, um, and I shouldn't have. <laughs> um, but it's it's actually I, I watch it with my daughter. We you know, she, we, we were uh, my wife and my other daughter were at a tournament this weekend, so my youngest and I were uh, home alone, and we were trying to come up with the movie. And I think she enjoyed it. Um, you know, having you know, it's one of those things like from the Beatles song, having read the book, right. All I could do is think about everything that was wrong with it, all the things they didn't do, all the characters they didn't have, all the problematic parts of it. Um, And even, yeah. And and I guess if you if you haven't read the book, you saw it, you'd probably enjoy it more. It it wasn't a terrible movie. Uh, The special effects are really good. There are some really good characters involved here, but just. you know, the Artemis Fowl stories, obviously, it's about Artemis Fowl, this kid who in the first book is a 12-year-old criminal mastermind. And that in itself, obviously, is is pretty good material to go with. But, you know, he his character is so flat in the movie and shows none of the panache and the savoir-faire that his character shows in the books. I think that's probably the most disappointing part of it outside of the generous plot contrivances that they use and everything. Yeah. I, I just think the the character of Artemis was, I, I don't know if it's I'm not since the actor's fault per se, I just don't think they gave much to work with. And they made the, uh, a character who should be the center of it. You kind of push him to the sidelines. So anyway, so those are the, the three movies that I've uh, watched uh, recently. And, you know, uh, next week I should have uh, at least one series new to talk about. So,
0: all right. Well, I can think of one that, uh, no, when we record next week, it won't have dropped quite yet. But Outlander season six returns to stars on February 6th, and that's a show I'm certainly excited about. I, I really like that show. But Last Kingdom, February yep. 9th.
1: Yep. I,
0: is it, se- I, I wrote in my notes season four. It might be season five. I think it's I five. Okay. Season five. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that as I know you are. I returned with some reservation to archive 81 on Netflix because I couldn't find what to watch the other night and it's horror and suspense elements are really kicking in. So I think it's going to be one of those shows that it might take me a while to finish the season, but I probably will finish the season. I tried season three of lost in space and uh, it's just not doing it for me I, I stopped after about 10 or 15 minutes wow uh, uh, ah yeah. on. And, and again maybe i'll come back i mean i watched the first two seasons but yeah now having said that the the series that i did watch with my wife i can pretty much assuredly say it's not a show i would have watched without my wife and that is the Netflix series Inventing Anna. And I know you have to at least run across it in your Netflix feed
1: because I, like, you know, it's like... It hasn't popped up in my feed, but I've seen a lot of stuff about it, you know, just on like the okay, internet right.
0: right. So she's this, uh, you know, it's, it's based on a true story. Uh, this 25-year-old girl basically pretends she's a German heiress and she gets some of the biggest banks in New York City to almost fund her you know i forget 30 million dollar project and and she is just like living the high life and but you know she just like you know she stays in one hotel and then runs out on her bill and goes somewhere else and it's always like well my trust funds not come through anyway um and it stars and now i can't remember julia garner uh, who is the daughter in uh I don't know if you watch that or not. And, oh, uh, yeah. Well, not
1: not the daughter. Of the oh, she's not the daughter. No.
0: Oh, okay. But she's in she's, Ozark. She's she in Ozark. Yeah. for it. Right, right. And she was and in she the American too. Yes, exactly. So uh, uh, she plays Anna. So she's the main character, and uh, you know, it's one of those that it it's fascinating enough that you you, you want to know how it turns out without going to Wikipedia but 9 episodes was just brutal they could have told this story in 5 easily and and not really left out anything important but it's one of those things that's like you, once you're once you've started you once you you're just in you're in stop. Yeah, so I would. My suggestion would be just don't even start. Just go to Wikipedia.
1: So you tough it <laughs> yeah, out for that, like but that. you won't. Uh, you won't give season three of Lost in Space another shot. Huh? Well, uh, you know, it's. I, I didn't eliminate
0: it from my continue watching thread. So uh, okay, I guess there is that. All right. So, all right. Well, let's get to Fringe. Season one, episode 11, titled Bound, written by the A-team of J.J. Abrams and Jeff Pinkner and Alex Kurtzman and Roberto Orsi, directed by Frederick E.O. Toye, who did 103 Ghost Network and 109 Dreamscape, January 19th, 2009. So this was the episode that, that they came back after the six or seven week break. Right. And essentially, this was part two of a two-part episode, which... You know, it was fine. I mean, they left us with a pretty big cliffhanger.
1: Yeah, yes, and, indeed. But they did. The, you know, I, I kind of like how, like they obviously they could have made the whole episode about trying to get Olivia back, but they actually got out of the way pretty quickly.
0: Yes, and, and, and I love that when shows do that, speed up the narrative. There's no reason to drag that out.
1: Right. You yeah, probably how looked much, at it like well. And I, you know, I would hazard to guess that their original plan was for this whole episode to be getting Olivia back. But maybe they looked at the scope for the whole season. Like, yeah, you know, we gotta, we gotta get a move on here. You know, like, um, you know, we we can't afford to take the whole episode for a, a rescue mission. So let's just get it over with in the first couple minutes and uh, move on with the overall, you know, mythology that we're trying to work on here
0: right now this this next point I want, I want to bring up before we get into the main discussion we used to have a, a section on sci-fi tv rewatch called really really yeah and we, we haven't addressed that in a while but we that, find that, that out might be this, a
1: comeback I, I like the really well, really part that was like yeah before.
0: or we just bring them up as they're warranted and, yeah. and and here fringe division we learn is under senate oversight yeah okay yeah okay and harris i forget his first name sanford is sanford harris is placed in charge of running this oversight and oh by the way he was one of those military people that was convicted by olivia when she was in the service for i don't know if it was i think it was much more than just sexual harassment but you know as he says you know ruined my life for just because I was chasing a bit of tail or yeah. whatever. It's like okay, nice. just the fact that you worded it like that, yeah, yeah, tells yep. us everything we need to know. <laughs> but fine, you got your conviction overturned, and they put you in charge of this division, in which one of the main players is the woman that convicted you in the. Fr- now, granted, yeah. this is Washington D.C., so I guess nothing would surprise me. But really,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does it does it well and and then how he like basically takes over and has more authority than Broils, it's like Yeah really now, and he even th- calls th- himself an like an like an independent consultant. I'm like okay, so does do are we allowing independent consultants to come in and take over divisions of the FBI? No. So Yeah. Yeah. It was and, it was and, and- definitely hard to swallow that whole story.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you know, how long Harris is going to be around, we will see. But, you know, he, he does make certain statements and, and, and brings up certain issues that as he's saying it, as much as you dislike him. Well, OK, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, fair because enough. Right? <laughs> he, as he says, OK, um, you've surrounded yourself with a traitor, a criminal and a lunatic. What does that say about you? And we're thinking, well, he's not wrong. I like to think outside that. the box. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, and, and then the last thing I just want to bring up is that we we do learn a little bit more about Charlie in that he is second in command. I don't think his role was ever clearly defined to this point.
1: Now, I, well, Olivia was, like, somehow reporting to him in the first episode in the pilot. But yeah, well, that's
0: true. But, but – she treats him like an equal right in this episode let's go you're coming with he's like oh i'm coming with you she's like yeah let's go <laughs> and he's okay well i'm your supervisor but yeah okay whatever yeah but this is as fred says in his feedback after an a plus episode last week you know almost anything is going to pale but this is still a really strong episode that, that yes. moves the the story way forward but we get A little bit more personal life, and I don't know. What do you want? What do you want to say about the the aspect of the story where Olivia's sister comes to stay with her?
1: Well, yeah, I I I like it because we really haven't seen anything about. Well, we've seen very little, I should say, of Olivia outside of her professional right as as an FBI agent, as an action hero, and everything. Uh, We saw a little bit. Before, you know, when she was getting ready to go out and Broyles called her in and, you know, we talked about wipe off the lipstick and then, you know, going out to the bar with Peter, we got the little peek behind the curtain a little bit, but really not a lot. And that's what I, I love that that last shot of Olivia and her niece sleeping together on the couch. Just that, yes, you know, it's just a great shot, fabulous way to end this episode <clears throat> that, you know, we just... Sometimes, you know, like we we forget that Olivia is not Superwoman, right? That right. That, that she's a person, a human being, and and uh, you know, and so it's a nice little kind of reminder of that, and to you know, peek into you know, uh, into a little bit more of her character.
0: Yeah, and, and we see. Olivia cooking for her sister, and and that sister banter that well, I would have cooked, and she's like, "No, I've tasted your cooking. Uh, I think I'll cook." And and of course, we don't expect, based on what we've seen of her, we don't expect Olivia Dunham to be a good cook. We we expect her to have plenty of takeout menus by her phone, which in in fact she she says says, to her sister, (laughs) right? right. But uh, so that was a cool scene as well, and she was. Kind of a messy cook, I will say that I noticed like tomato sauce or whatever that was like coming down the one pan and maybe onto the uh, stove. But I guess the the one aspect of her sister's arrival is that she's clearly running from an abusive relationship, and we don't know to what extent. We don't know how it's going to play out. I mean, and again, it's one of those things that I kind of vaguely remember. So is it going to be enough of a distraction that it, you know, prevents Olivia from doing her job at the level we know she can do it, and, and that would I think make the most sense. But but you you also mentioned about that that scene sleeping on the couch, and and the the relationship she clearly has with her niece is. Really strong. So, so these yeah. two have spent time together mm-hmm. and have you know formed a bond, and and the bond with her sister. So, yeah, I, I really like this aspect, as you said.
1: Yeah, and, and I also what you know, part of me watching this, and again, not one hundred percent remembering, but you, you know, it seems like there, there there is this potential of you know people in Olivia's life that that can be hurt, that can be used as leverage against her. Um, you know this is why you know Peter Parker doesn't reveal who he is right because he doesn't want the people around him to get hurt you know I don't I don't know if they'll would go there but there is you now that possibility If she has her her sister and her niece living with her then those are people who you know the bad guys can potentially get to sure and
0: and Bad guys beyond this, Greg, who is either a boyfriend or an ex-husband or current husband, or we don't know. And you know, Fred will point out the possibility that we've already dropped a spoil of it. Maybe we shouldn't have dropped. And as you and I were saying before we started recording, we're not exactly sure whether it's come up or not. You know, we'll get to it in Fred's feedback in a minute. So when I say this, if it happens. Sorry, I don't mean to spoil it because I definitely don't remember, but it almost is setting up a situation where Greg finds out where I forget what her sister's name is now.
1: Rachel. Uh,
0: Rachel uh, finds out where Rachel's staying shows up and Olivia pulls out her gun. Greg, I'm going to say this one time. Turn around. Don't ever come back. Yeah. So, you know. We'll see, um now we mentioned Agent Harris, who's now overseeing Fringe division, and that's kind of the other side story here you know when when Olivia breaks out of her confinement, which was just as Fred again i Fred points out in this feedback, was just a wonderful action sequence it yeah. didn't take very long, no, no. and we kind of knew where she was going when she asked for the drink of water. Dude, did you notice the water? I, i looked at this a couple times i mean he gives it to her in a beaker i think and uh-huh. i'm thinking like okay either that beaker the glass is tinted or your water is yellow or i i it was just oh.
1: disgusting looking um social commentary on the public works of boston well massachusetts maybe <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, but uh, but again, that was just an
0: awesome action sequence when she, when she gets away. It was fantastic.
1: And again, if, if we were still doing really, really, I'd be like, really, dude? Like she says, you, you want water, so you're going to unstrap her, you're going to strap her hand? Come on, man. This is bad Look, guy 101.
0: Yeah, but you wonder how bad these two bad guys were. I mean, we know Mitchell Loeb is a trained FBI agent, we don't really know who these guys are i I get the sense they weren't part of his team when they were you know going into the bank vaults and and walking through walls that that they're more just kind of like the science you know medical aid kind of guy that that i mean they didn't it it didn't take her long to take either of both of them out physically so that's true oh and the knife throw was just yeah awesome (laughs) But uh, but then when she gets out and she makes the call and these three black SUVs drive up, we're thinking, okay, great. The cavalry's here. And like, what the hell? Yeah. You're pulling a gun on her. Right. And this is a situation. Again, it speaks to Harris's lack of I don't know what. It's like this could have gone south in a hurry because she's just been kidnapped. She was very careful about getting away and getting away fast. For all she knows, these are the bad guys.
1: Yeah. Well, we so, kind of think they're the bad guys, right?
0: Of Well, yeah. Once they get out of their car, it's like, fine, they've got fake bad, you know. Yeah. So the fact that she didn't shoot them before they tracked her, uh, you know, Harris is lucky
1: that you know, somebody didn't die in this scene. It doesn't m- make a ton of sense, this scene, you know, because like when you think she just... Got out. She just called Charlie. You know how are the the first guys in the scene? This, this other group of dudes from like who like what are I? I, I, is it the FBI? Is this yeah? yeah you know, it's but again we let it go. It's it's not it's not a big deal. It's just like okay,
0: right. And then of course she's handcuffed to a hospital bed in, in the very next scene and we're thinking okay this looks like a legit hospital we've we've seen enough genre shows where uh you know things are are you know okay fine that's a hospital bed but that is this is definitely not a legit hospital room and then he comes in and it's like you actually had the audacity to handcuff an fbi agent to the bed and then when he throws the key at her it's like yeah.
1: okay well he's just got such an axe to grind against her and you know obviously his being in a position of power over her as we said before makes zero sense uh, sure. but again we are not familiar with the way washington works but it's very tough to swallow the, uh, michael gaston i think is the guy's name is fabulous at playing an asshole uh I don't think I don't think he probably is one in real life. Uh I but actually in the leftovers he had a his he had a great role in the leftovers. He was awesome. Uh there. But like in uh, and actually Man of High Castle, he was a good guy in that too. Uh but in twenty four he was uh he was kind of a dick and um I'm trying to think what else that I've seen that he's been in where he just kinda of plays an asshole. I shouldn't stop saying that word this is his family friendly podcast, but yes. you know but he's just hes just so perfect for that type of role, you know? He just nails it every time.
0: So, all right, well, why don't we get to the main story, bringing down Mitchell Loeb and then the next stage of whatever this is, which is part of the appeal here. But you know, in the opening scene, we see Olivia strapped to a gurney, being wheeled down this dingy corridor into a room with you know, suspect medical equipment, guy in a mask, which, of course, we learn later is Mitchell Loeb. And at first, we're not sure they're going to inject her, but no, then it's extract something from her spinal fluid. And, you know, I, I guess what we have to start considering, he's working with Jones, we know that. So why do they want her spinal fluid? I mean, we don't really get any more clarity about no. that but but it, it I think is a reasonable assumption to make that it has something to do with whatever it is he's doing with Jones and one of the things we know he's doing with Jones is being able to pass through solid matter now maybe that was all just about getting him out of the german prison
1: well and the transport and, someone from germany to massachusetts in the blink of an eye there,
0: right so does it have anything to do with that you would think i mean they, they go through an awful lot to you know you know to to capture her but then you know we'll maybe get to that in a, f- a few minutes his final uh conversation with Olivia in the interrogation room where he has a completely different storyline for you know for why he did what he did with her and Okay, you know, we'll we'll kind of examine that in in a couple of minutes. But, you know, we mentioned last week, I think, that that the fight scene Olivia had uh, in the episode where uh, that, I forget what it was called, dreamscape, was the first action sequence of the series. And and here she has two, right? She has the the escape scene we just talked about. And then she has the one later with Mitchell Loeb's wife, which was, again, I thought really well done. Very
1: intense scene.
0: Yeah and uh, you know and especially you know the, the when the the two women each go for the gun yeah and you know Olivia delivers the shot to her forehead and then you see that Olivia just looks next to her and sees that the bullet hit the piece of furniture and I guess what we have to remember still I mean it was they were pretty close quarters that I, we don't get the idea this woman was a trained firearms expert no.
1: Well, you know, yeah. I mean, there's a lot we don't know about the lobes. You know, I just well, also true. feel like I should take this moment to say it would have been priceless if, at that moment, Olivia looked, saw the the bullet and or the you know the the mark made by the bullet and said, "Missed it by that much." <laughs> yeah, but yeah, probably not. that, that, that Many would people would get that anymore, but yeah. Yep. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, but, certainly, you know, um, you know we she, she clearly does not. But I mean, she's probably had some train, you know, like she doesn't like hesitate to go and get the gun. And she looks like she knows how to handle it. And she does get a shot off.
0: Right. You know? But wouldn't you think she would know there was a gun there if she was firearm trained? I don't know. I guess that was my reasoning for thinking maybe she didn't have much experience with it. You know, still her husband just calls her and says oh by the way kill the woman that's in our house right now but even you know but before we get to that olivia has the wherewithal to grab some samples you know and throw them in a thermos which was great and then bury them in that sand pile and uh, you know so so despite everything that happened to her clear thought you know and we see she, she throws off that gown to reveal i guess it's her bulletproof vest underneath and probably a tank top under that and then she grabs i don't know if that's her jacket and gun that she grabbed off the table i i assume it was although oh, yeah. the jacket looked a little big
1: yeah i don't um, think it was a jacket but you know you you feel like there probably wasn't a lot of guns that these guys just had lying around
0: you know? right but but we see the tanks with all those giant worms that we, or slugs that we learn are just basically common cold cold virus slugs yeah. or whatever yeah. so you know we, you know we, we certainly learn what they are at the end now the other really and and this seems like it happens in a lot of shows she calls charlie send you know at least 10 agents to this address and they get to this address and it's completely cleaned out Really? Really? <laughs> <laughs> you did it that fast. You yeah. Just, you had-
1: yeah. It, it seems like, yeah, it's not like the FBI took three days to get over there, right? Like they, and they had a whole lab set up. So you're telling yeah. me all of a sudden the lab, I, who yeah. knows? Right. Um, Again, it's, it's obviously we question it as it happens, but then we're like, we let it go, right? Because like, eh, eh, you know, yeah, who cares? It doesn't really matter. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not buying that. They got the lab cleaned up before the FBI got there, but who cares? This this story is moving forward so quickly. We don't even really have time to, to cast a lot of doubt on it, you know?
0: Yep. Yep. And, And what I love is she gets Peter and Walter to come to the site where she's hidden the, um, the samples and has Walter bring his lab with him so that, you know, he's able to, to test it right there in the back of the truck uh, or I guess that was the station wagon. Yeah. Um, and, you know, basically determine what, what it is that they have there. I mean, of, of course, once he gets back to the lab, he's able to you know look at it a little bit more. But they start putting the pieces together that we see. The, well, we see the next, I guess, event is when this uh, professor who is, I guess, a professor of immunology and virology, he's lecturing, passes out. Dies and then the uh, slug crawls out of his mouth, which was pretty freaking good. <laughs> that was a yeah. pretty cool scene as well.
1: Yeah. Um, well, and then the slu- thing like running all around the room and. You
0: know, right. Like, and then Peter gets there and he's like, okay, I've got thermal imaging here. It's going to take a couple seconds to uh, power up. And then, of course, it's running all around the, uh, the the lecture hall. And then all of a sudden, Walter comes over with a trash can, like, you know, we have in our classrooms and just. Puts it right over. Things like this used to happen in the lab all the time. Yeah. <laughs> he, he says proudly. He just that look on his face was priceless. Yeah. You know, and then they get it back to the lab and all that. But but he's the first professor that, that, you know, they encounter. And then once they learn, you know, or I guess Olivia learns it from the, his teaching assistant that, oh, yeah, he, she was having an affair with him. And she, of course, you know, provides enough information to i i guess send them down a path where somebody wants to eliminate the immunologists right before releasing a pandemic now i'm guessing there have to be more than two immunologists and virologists in dc but again what do we know right so is it just a matter of of showing off which is what uh, i think walter might contend but regardless that that whole idea though that he's going to go to atlanta join the cdc to study the country's preparedness to fight off a pandemic which you know again is uh
1: yeah it's close to home nowadays It Hits
0: close to home, close to home. And, and again it takes me back to uh um i i know you didn't watch the x-files and and there were three minor characters that appeared a lot and they were known as the lone gunmen and and they were you know they well, i remember those guys Right, well, they, they did a spin-off for them. It lasted one season, 13 episodes, and I believe it was the first episode which was terrorist organization planning to take, you know, a, a 737 jet into the World Trade Center. And uh, of course, they, you know they stop it, but you know, this was like maybe nine months before 9 uh, 11 occurred. Wow. So yeah, just some
1: yeah, it's funny weird how stuff. But life and art kind of work like that sometimes. Yeah, yep. But
0: uh, you know, I guess I'm still you know watching how some of the things in this episode transpire. Uh, you know, they get that second doctor Simon, and they've you know, and, and I do like the fact that he says, "When the FBI says it's trying to save your life, you listen." Well, dude, you're like the only person. Yeah in the world ever that has <laughs> right. taken that attitude right
1: and what he, happens usually he, he, he gets killed anyway right because well, yeah, he I mean, was taken in by the fbi
0: yeah well that's a good point too and i guess the other people would say yeah i've seen enough it goes the other way and yeah okay maybe they maybe they would be right you know so we know Loeb at, at this point is um you know we see him pour the yellow powder in and you know we're still waiting for olivia i think at this point to make the connection uh with Loeb's shoes and i I think even for somebody watching this episode for the first time i i would think fred would would look at that initial scene when she's on the gurney and staring down at those shoes and those white dots on them because your first thought is like did he spill paint on them and then it's like no they're perfect round dots in the same position on the shoes but the camera's lingering on them a little bit longer than maybe necessary oh maybe that's important
1: well it just shows if you want to be a bad guy or a villain you gotta you can't wear the same shoes all the time and if you do wear like nondescript shoes everyone else wears
0: well you know and and you think about that because Mitchell Loeb is not a rookie and, and as you pointed out a few minutes ago the other two that that gave her a drink of water and allowed her to escape okay we can maybe excuse them for their carelessness but this is mitchell Loeb. he he's you know been doing this a long time and and at a fairly high level did he not consider that she could see his shoes and and you know i don't know I mean...
1: Yeah, I guess you just you didn't the, think of it, you know? Like,
0: uh, Yeah, I guess. And, and okay, that that's...
1: Well, honestly, yeah. they just, you know, it's a plot device, right? They just need a sure. plot device. Uh, again, I appreciate them not dragging this out any longer. I mean, Mitchell Loeb has been the, uh, you know, the, the wolf in sheep's clothing for a couple of episodes now. And, you know, at some point we're like, you know, how do they not realize this guy is is you know i don't want to say bad or dirty or whatever but you know just whatever that that they're he's working against them and so they they need to you know start moving that little story you can't have him forever just be an inside fringe division
0: sure right and it wasn't a tattoo yeah 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 now Peter points out that they still don't know why Olivia was abducted, which uh, is a valid point. And I was a little surprised. She's like, well, who cares? Well, I care, Peter says. Yeah. And uh, she's got a, Come on, Peter. She's momentarily taken aback, but obviously it is connected, and, and, and it's, it's a reasonable question to ask. Of course, Walter's ears and eyes perk up when he says that. And then it just was, again, one of the, Perfectly written scenes. She is beautiful, isn't she? Walter asks as as Olivia walks away. And Peter's like, who? The slug. And we're thinking like, <laughs> yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. Well played, Walter. Well,
1: once again, well played, Walter. Yep.
0: And then, you know, I, I don't want to say that Charlie has had a strained relationship with Peter. Because I I think that would be unfair. But as I... I think i said last week or the week before I, I think charlie feels like his relationship with olivia is being a little bit intruded upon uh, you know not terribly I, I think peter is getting more comfortable following the rules which is you know the irony of this scene is that you know charlie doesn't want to come to peter here but he's smart enough and 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 confident enough to know that this is the right thing to do. In right. fact, it's the only thing to do, really. Yeah. Which is, you know, that's the problem with being an FBI agent. You, you're supposed to not break the law. Right. Oh, but I can. Right.
1: He's like you. You're oh right, Well, you got. You need me <laughs> to be the guy to break the law, right? Right.
0: And and Peter's like, yeah, you're right. I can do that. And and yeah. uh, I. That was am the great. Guy to break right.
1: I mean, I I love that scene because like you know you think. Peter might get a little like he's get his feathers a little ruffled, you know, like, oh, you're just coming to me because you need someone to break the law. And Charlie's like, yeah. And Peter's like, well, you're right. I that that's yeah, that's absolutely. You came to the right guy,
0: right. And and you know, you talk about narrative devices. Again, I'm thinking, all right, the whole thing that the wiretap doesn't work, and and nobody's going to be able to get word to Olivia. I mean, how many times have we seen that? And then of course it works in enough time that, you know, they learn there's a kill order. You got to get out of there. She's going to kill you. And, and and it is enough time for Olivia to, to prepare herself. And, and, you know, we talked about the final struggle between Samantha Loeb and, and and Olivia a few minutes ago, but, but, you know, I, I, I did like how that worked out. And, uh,
1: well, also like I, I, I know, part of it is to build up the the suspense and everything, but you know, Olivia says I got to go to the bathroom, and then she goes to Mitchell's office and she's like rummaging around in her desk, I'm like, well, okay, yeah. like Samantha is the only other person in the house. You like think she's not going to notice that you didn't go to the bathroom, but instead you're like banging around on this desk.
0: Well, she knew she was going to go call Mitchell at that point, right? Yeah, I guess. Right? (laughs) No, how could you know? But uh, obviously it it works out. Um, And and then, you know, that interrogation scene where, uh, well, even before that, that was pretty astute of Peter that, well, wait a minute, he doesn't know his wife's dead, so maybe we can draw him out. And, And once again, we get a suspect that gets shot and then like, five minutes later is in an interrogation room and okay only a flesh wound I, <laughs> I, I most gunshot wounds don't they keep you in the hospital at least for a few hours I I, I not, i've never right. had a
1: gunshot wound so no, i not point, really, point. you think that they would though
0: yeah my brother shot me with a bb gun once but oh yeah <laughs> uh, yeah did just stung didn't break the skin right but uh you know that that final scene when she and Charlie are interrogating him and, and you know, he's Mitchell Loeb. I'm not going to say a word. What are you going to do? Torture me. And we've got Harris outside the glass. I think Broyles is with him as well. And he wants to see his wife. And we're thinking like, Oh yes. <laughs> we see those folders that Olivia's got with her. And, yeah. and you know, right on cue, she asks Charlie to leave whips out the photo with the bullet hole on her forehead. and, and, you know next thing you know he's confessing but then we get to that very end and asks her do you not know what we're up against who the two sides are tell me you at least know that and claims that he saved her and then the line that we've heard you know i mean in so many shows you don't have any idea what you've done yeah haven't heard that one before right um (laughs) yeah and then when she gets out of there, Peter doesn't think it's anything and Olivia doesn't agree, which almost is like the reverse of what we'd expect that that, you know, he'd think there was something there. But then we go back to that and who the two sides are. We were trying to save you. So do we believe him even though we can't explain why? Well, or what,
1: yeah, well we absolutely believe him because he has why what what would he lie, why would he lie like that what you know why what story is he making up um, and I think the fact that he's like, tell me you at least know like he, he thinks Olivia has some idea of what's going on, and she has no idea, right, right. so I mean it, it all of a sudden it totally you know flips Mitchell Loeb around on us right but why would he think
0: she knows i mean he's in contact with uh, jones and jones is in contact with olivia to you know to a limited extent but I- i'm not sure why mitchell loeb would think that she knows I mean, what has she done or said that would make him think that? I mean, well, I think she's that just involved
1: seen. in this, right? She's, she's in it. She's, yeah. he's okay. It,
0: it, well, does he assume she's put the pieces together? I forget the flight number from the, uh, the pilot episode and, and, you know, all the, the different events that have occurred and that she's
1: made all this. It was oceanic something like,
0: yeah. Yeah. Eight, one, five. Um, <laughs> So, you know who the two sides are? So is Jones Jones is on his side. He Mitchell Loeb that is seems to imply that that Olivia's on their side. You know, okay, fine. Well, then tell me why you extracted my spinal fluid. Right. How does that save me?
1: How why are you dosing these guys with cold slugs that kills you know like it's it's tough, you know from it's tough for us to to roll with Mitchell here, you know. Like all of a sudden, like like I said, it's just completely reversed the this character arc. But it's like it's tough for us to like be on Team Mitchell still at this point because of all the effed up stuff he's done. Well, anything else you want to bring up about
0: uh, this storyline before we get to the feedback? I don't think so, actually. Okay. All right, well, let's hear what Fred's got for us, and we'll be right
2: back. Hello, Dave and Wayne and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Fringe Season 1, Episode 11. As Wayne said, last week's episode was really a turning point that you really get hooked on Fringe. And although it's a little weird show, you really realize that it's so good. So after all the A-pluses of last week, this is of course a little less. But I fully agree with you, Wayne. Although I don't know anything what's coming, this could be indeed, or the last episode, a turning point. Because I like this episode as well. Have some minor nitpicks though, but they will come later. Okay, shortly about the COVID situation here in my house. My wife Vera and I are still healthy, fortunately. Still COVID-negative. The boys are getting better and we are on day 10 after we discovered that my oldest son had COVID and on day 9 of the youngest one. But still, still dangerous. I see a lot of colleagues that had been very careful for five, six, seven days and then eventually they got it just in the tail of the infection of the first person in house because everything went well. And then just in the last phase, so between day, let's say 5 and 10, getting less careful, etc., And then they pick it up. But 100% sure I'm still not, because my wife and I still can be in our incubation time. And I have to say, it was very nice, I actually should say sweet of you, that also 10 seconds of audio feedback or written feedback would keep my strain of feedback intact. So thanks for that, guys. Okay, coming back to Fringe. Start with a little nitpick about your podcast. You were talking about the cable through the vault door, and I have some remarks about that.
1: Right. Well, I, I, you know, sitting here trying to disengage the thing, it's like, dude, F that, man. Like, get the hell Like, what's worse? Right. That someone sees a, a piece of rope stuck in the wall or sees a person stuck in the wall?
2: Yeah, Wayne. A person or a rope doesn't matter, but nothing versus a rope is, of course, a big difference.
0: Yeah, and, and the only thing I can figure is, could there be something about that cable that would expose them? I mean, I can't imagine what it would be, but right. they, they seem to be kind of fixated on, oh, no, we can't leave the cable. It's like, why?
2: What? Dif- like you said, what difference does it make? I think it's very important that they don't give away, that they can go through matter, through walls, etc. But leaving the rope, especially if it still goes through the wall, would of course give it away and then the agencies would put experts on it like Walter Bishop. And they could perhaps solve the case and put all these agencies on the whereabouts or the track of this uh, gang. Yeah, get the hell out of there, man. So, a- you know,
0: unless there's something that we're missing.
2: Well, I think you were missing what I just said. Okay, let's go into episode 11. Okay, let's start with Olivia's fight to free herself from her abductors. Really, really great action scene, I think. First nitpick comes after that. She is dug a hole where she puts the thermos flask with the samples in the sand. Well, I don't have any knowledge about firearms, but is it sensible to dug a hole with your pistol? Well, made for combat, they actually should be able to resist that. But when we then see that Sanford Harris man put her down, we immediately understand it was very sensible to hide this flask with samples. I think this Agent Dunham has a great feeling for potential threats, even not overseeing it all, still building in some security steps. On the other hand, it also gives a picture that she can't trust almost anybody, apart from the bishops and Charlie. I think her trust in Broyles, especially in this episode, gets much better. Is uh, Sanford Harris, played by Michael Gaston, is of course a creep and i just talked a few weeks ago about blind spot with jimmy alexander he had there a similar kind of role as here so i think he's very good in these kinds of roles when she is cuffed to the hospital bed and he talks to her anna turf plays this very very well her disgust and resentment of him really comes out of every pore of her acting really really very good Then there is a little continuity error because her IV fluid tube is on her arm. She looks at it and then she is desperate in the bed, pulls her hair back and then you see her arm go up and the IV fluid tube is gone. And we never saw her pull it out of her arm. Okay, about family, uh, Rachel... Olivia's sister comes in, plays a minor role here, is stressed after, I think, a divorce or something like that. And when Olivia asks her later in the episode, everything all, all right? And then she says, yeah, but we all see there is, a, there is something. And I really wonder if her sister is under some kind of pressure from outside, which has something to do with Olivia's work. And another family thing is, in the last podcast, you revealed that Peter's mother, so Walter's wife, committed suicide, I think, until episode 10, we all don't know it. Well, um, for the people who don't know it, just as me, I make it worse here, to give it extra attention, but I have the feeling you gave us a little spoiler there. And then a few nitpicks about the nasopharyngitis virus, some worse than others. Of course, this thing doesn't look like a virus, although it has spikes. Uh, In the meanwhile, I think the whole world knows how a virus looks. And then it is said that it's one cell. Well, a virus is not a cell. And then a minor nitpick is, of course, how fast this thing grows. But that's a typical fringe thing much more to say about this episode but time's up greetings all the best fred from the netherlands
0: fred brings up the you know the idea from last week about leaving the cable you know in the safety deposit room and, and about you know the 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 fact that it's just that you could go through solid matter that you know it's it's not any better or worse than having a guy caught in the middle of the wall so um, certainly that makes sense. Well, but I th- think
1: other- it's worse for the guy. Well, it is
0: worse for the guy, <laughs> but in terms of uh, revealing what it is that you guys are doing, it doesn't really matter whether you left a person or an object. You know, still, it's like you know, whoever these guys are, they can go through solid matter. But he does bring up an interesting point about Olivia and, and that her circle of trust is fairly small. And given what she's doing uh, for a job, and, and I, I, again, I love the little scene with her sister when, you're, you're right, my my job is, I forget what word she says, weird or whatever, and she says, I could tell you, but it would probably be a felony. And and she has so few people that she can really talk to. I mean, right. yes, of course, broils, but she doesn't want to talk to broils. I mean, <laughs> you know, she respects him. He's a good boss. But outside of Peter and Walter and... Yeah, okay, she can talk to Walter, and she could certainly talk to Astrid, but, you know, there's there's not a lot of people she can confide in at this point. So, yeah, I think that's a good observation, Fred. What about the IV tube? You know, Fred sees it as a continuity error. And, you know, I looked at it again, and I think, you know, the first shot, and she's in the bed, you you know, we can see she's got a tube hooked up to her arm, and then she gets out of the bed, and I— I thought i saw the tube behind her arm and then it just cuts to an exterior shot and you know so that we don't see her get out of the bed one way or the other so i'd, I'd have to look at it again fred you, you, you know you might be right but i thought i saw that and then uh did we make a faux pas dude yeah uh, you
1: know when that when, when fred said that i was like thinking about him like did I you know I just kind of gotta trust Fred's word. I guess that they haven't mentioned but, you know, that which like, shall not be mentioned any longer. Yeah, I, I feel like they <laughs> like Fred said he bring, but, bringing it up. You know, it's it, honestly either way it is not a a huge spoiler like at all. Um, right, but
0: uh, they say to justify their mistake if we. In fact, maybe. Yeah,
1: <laughs> right,
0: right. Yes. Anyway, uh, anything else about Fred's feedback you want to
1: um, hold on? Let me. Yeah. Nope. I think we okay. covered everything I had down.
0: All right, cool. All right, Fred, thank you. Good stuff as always. So let's move on to the spoiler zone. And as we say each week, if you have not seen the entire series, stop listening at this point, because you might hear some things that you would rather not hear at this point. You know, the, the, we, we know, lobe works for jones so then does olivia's spinal fluid contain elements that explain her ability to travel between dimensions which is of course something we've talked about in the spoiler zone for a couple of weeks now
1: i'm uh, pretty sure the answer you know, to that is yes
0: okay and, and and we know that she was one of the cortex fan kids and is there cortex are, are they looking to see if they're still cortex fan active in her body or are they trying to mine
1: it from her or something yeah
0: or they trying to mine it yes and and that's one of those things that i don't really remember i can't
1: remember either
0: right but but uh, you know i I think certainly in terms of spoiler zone material that's something that we would have to consider um and then you get to the the two sides that Loeb mentions Um, i mean any thoughts come to mind i mean the only thing i can think of is and again, I can't remember. Is Walternate planning some sort of you know attack on the other dimension to get revenge for the abduction of Peter?
1: Yeah, I, I, I remember like a, the a lot of the action of the series was this war between you know the this this world here that Peter and Olivia exist on and then the alternate universe with. Walter Nett and Folivia in it. Um, right. So – Yeah, go ahead. Which would then
0: mean Mitchell Loeb is aware of the, the two universes.
1: I, yeah, right. That's why he's like saying, like, don't you understand what we're working for here? You know, we're trying to save this Earth from being like – I, I there was something about the other you – know, I you know, I don't know.
0: Yeah, but then it, it, I think then you could say, well, Mitchell – why didn't you just tell me? Given everything I've seen, did you think I wouldn't believe you?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I well, you like you said, like you you see his methods and everything that he's done. It's like you know, it's really tough to get on his side here at all. Like you know, like the the ends does not necessarily justify the means.
0: No. Well, that's all I've gotten in, in terms of spoiler zone materials. or something. Well, you want to
1: bring so up that- the, I think it's just a thing. Every episode, and we've noticed it almost every single episode, where they have some mention of Peter and Walter's relationship. That's like so. Astrid says, "Like father, like son," and Peter says, "Right." Oh, don't say that. You know, we're right. like. Well, yeah, cause, and, and so they—they they, it seems like they throw in a little line like that every week, you know, like, oh, here are your toys, Pierce. Those aren't my toys, you know? Right. Yeah, I, I forgot. I mean, I remember
0: that scene. I just didn't make that connection to what you just said, and, you know, it just got me to thinking, we know that this Peter is not Walter's son. That said, is he Walter's son? I mean, you know, I, I'm arguing semantics at this yes. point because, in a sense, it's no different than adopting a child. So that while he raised this Peter, at least to a certain extent, before he went into Saint Clair seventeen years ago, and you know, I guess Peter was a teenager at that point. I mean, we know he's not his his biological father, but has he been a father to Peter? And and I guess that's a question that also occurs to me. I mean, he, he's certainly becoming a father to him since yeah. they've, you know, reacquainted, uh, but.
1: Right. And, and say what you will about their relationship before I me, mean, Peter did, of course, at first he thought he was being, you know, like that it was for his selfish reasons that he came over to help out, but he has stuck with Walter. He, he, he's sticking with, fringe division and and everything so we might argue that's just as much to be around olivia as walter but you know he he's definitely cultivating a relationship with his father so you know there's something to be said there
0: all right uh anything else or you want to leave it there i think i'm good with leaving it there okay um i'm gonna go a minus on this episode i think it was a pretty good episode maybe not an a but you know, if you wanted to go A, I could probably be taught.
1: Yeah, I, w- I was kind of thinking A, but I think I'm going to go A minus just so we can, you know, I, I don't often go A plus, And when I go A plus, I feel the need to bring it, dial it back a little bit on grading. So uh, I'm just going to go yeah, A well,
0: minus. I mean, the, I mean, the fact that somebody with Harris's background was placed in this important of a position in these circumstances with these individuals... Yeah, that's kind of a deal breaker for me that that kind of, as you always say, takes you out of the scene. So that's, that's going to bring it down. That's a good point.
1: And, you know, we did have a couple really, really moments in here. So yes. um, Yeah, so for sure. A minus. Yeah. All right.
0: All right, well, we will leave it there, and that will do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Fringe, anything else going on in your genre TV world. Join the Facebook group if you haven't already. We will be back next week to talk about episode 12 of season one of Fringe,
1: but until then. You know, Dave, with all these gratings that we do, I'm not even sure we exist in the same plane of consciousness.